Hey, welcome back again to Talking Catholic. Uh, St. Dominic de Guzman and Dominican spirituality has played a very important part of my life. As some of you know, I came into the church on the Feast of St. Dominic in 2006. I graduated with a Master of Arts degree in Theology from Ohio Dominican University. And today I'm the President and Publisher of St. Dominic's Media. But before all that, I'll tell you, this, I'll tell you a story. Um, since about the age of 22, yeah, about the same time that I had become a Freemason, I started having this, these reoccurring dreams where dogs were chasing me. These were like intense dreams that frightened me. I mean, I would wake up scared. Um, I would go out of my dreams sometimes. But I remember the last time I dreamed about these dogs was the night I was confirmed to the Catholic Church. And the dogs were no longer chasing me. Um, they were just looking at me, two of them, sitting. It was like, I remember the dream, it was dark. It was like some sort of mist. Um... And maybe the dogs were like on this other side of the stream, they're underneath a tree, and there was like this cloaked figure in between them. I didn't see his, his face, but he had he's like a cloaked figure. And under the tree, um, he was just standing there with them on a the leash. So years later, I told my spiritual advisor about this story, and she giggled while telling me that St. Dominic and his hounds uh, had chased me into the Catholic Church. So, um, some, so some years later, after that, and before I had started attending Ohio Dominican University, I spent my best years as a Catholic being a member of St. Dominic's Catholic Church in Youngstown, Ohio, where I got to know the Dominican Fathers. And a gentleman I'm about to introduce you to, Father Matori. Father Matori sat down on Talking Catholic and we talked about Dominican spirituality, really great talk. We talked about how the laity can live it out. Uh, we also talked about his last two missions. And I would like you to consider donating to his current mission in Kisumu, Kenya. Whatever you can give goes a long way because it's in Africa. Um, he has a missionary with the seminarians. I gave $100, which you are free to match or give whatever you can. Like I say, anything goes a long way. And you can donate it uh, by using the address I put in the description box below. Just notate that the donation is for Kismu, Kenya, is for that mission. And 100 cent of your donation goes directly to the mission. You can also give just by sending me a cash app for whatever amount, and I'll post that during the video. You can donate that way, and I'll just send the money for you, 100% of it. Again, just notate that your donation is for the mission. So a lot of Catholics have been asking me over the years, hey, David, you know, everything that's going on with the bishops, we don't, you know, we don't feel comfortable giving our money. And so this is one way that some of the things I'm doing now to help you um, offer money, give your tithes, but to some things that, that really help, that avoids everything that, that's going on with um, the people who have betrayed us. And so I really hope you enjoy this talk about Dominican spirituality just between a Dominican father and a lay Catholic who has embraced the Dominican way. And we will begin right after this ASEC introduction to Talking Catholic. Father Greg Matori, welcome on to Talking Catholic. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I love you. You know, when I first came, I was a, I was, I was a baby Catholic when I first came home. And um, I was in some parishes that really wasn't, you know. So I think somehow I found um, Ellen and Melinda were on my website and commenting. They said, hey, why don't you come to St. Dominic's Parish? And I had never heard of it. So I come there and it blew my mind because you guys had um, communion on the tongue and at the rail kneeling at the rail and then i bump into you one day i'm there and i bump into you on my way out and you say hey you know you called me to the side and started talking to me and um, ever since then we've been you know been quite familiar with each other 
Oh yeah, no, uh, good friends, I would say. And yeah. uh, no, uh, you helped me a lot there in your support and uh, of uh, the Dominican mission there in Youngstown, Ohio at St. Dominic's. So, uh, and uh, I'm glad that uh, after many years we're, we can reconnect this way. This is a great thing you do. Uh, I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of what you do. And uh, you're a great inspiration. <laughs> well, thank you. You're a great inspiration too, because you, when I met you, one of the first things you told me about you that you were you were um, the crime fighting priest. So tell us a little bit about that story, because I when you told me that, I said, "What is this priest talking about?" And then you told me the story. I was like, "Wow!" So tell us about that. Yeah, um, it was a between the years 2009 and uh, 2016, I was pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in Youngstown, Ohio, which uh, is located in, uh, it's, it's one of these parish, downtown parishes where everyone's moved out of the area. And so people attend mass there. They live, now they live out in the suburbs, but they attend mass in this inner city parish that because of the uh, economic problems, part of the Rust Belt uh, in the Midwest has uh, fallen on hard economic times and the, you know, the neighborhood was kind of burned out and um, it, was, uh, it was a bad situation. So um, about two months after I became pastor, one of my parishioners was murdered in the uh, parking lot and uh, then about eight months after that, another parishioner was murdered, uh, was gunned down uh, a couple blocks away from the parish as, as they were leaving uh, mass. So I had to do something drastic because the uh, fate of the parish was at stake and uh, the fate of the neighborhood, you know, uh, in the way uh, parishes work, parishes, um, the fate of a parish depends a lot on the neighborhood. So uh, I made the effort to contact um, political figures, uh, law enforcement figures, both at the local and state level um, to come up with some solution. Uh, I made a lot of noise uh, in the press and on the phone about the need to do something about it. This is, uh, you know, we can't just let neighborhoods go. We can't just let churches go. We need oh. to do something about it. And I had a lot of support from the good parishioners at St. Dominic's. So we did a series of, we took a series of steps to renew the neighborhood, to revitalize the neighborhood and uh, to renew and rev revitalize the parish because the two go together. Yeah. Uh, we set up, uh, through the help of the state attorney general of Ohio and through the, the governor and through the mayor of Youngstown and various uh, local and state law enforcement agencies, we set up um, uh, security summits, safety summits at the church. So St. Dominic's became an epicenter for renewal on the south side of Youngstown. And I partnered with other churches, most especially New Bethel Baptist Church and other Baptist churches that were in the area and with uh, various 
uh, other uh, charitable organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, United Way, the YMCA, mm-hmm. and then various um, members of the community who were, you know, who uh, who loved the South Side, who grew up on the South Side, who loved the South Side, but have since moved away. They they wanted to uh, support the work of renewal and revitalization. So it was a great time. Um, I really can't take credit for it. I was simply a figurehead. Uh, a lot of the work was done by other people. Um, I, I was just able to be... Uh, to, to make St. Dominic's sort of the epicenter yeah. of this renewal and revitalization. But there were a lot of people involved. And of course, it was all directed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, it, it was amazing. Opportunities just presented themselves to me. I wasn't even looking for them. People <laughs> came forward and, uh, uh, you know, I got a lot of news coverage. And so CNN... Uh, wow. the story, and they gave me the title, The Crime-Fighting Priest. <laughs> so that's how I got the title, The Crime-Fighting Priest. But it was beautiful. We ended up, so we ended up um, tearing down uh, over 80 blighted since uh, wow. houses in a four-block radius around the church. I didn't know it was that many. Wow. Because I remember yeah, the street that St. Dominic's is on. I remember there were a lot of um, spaces where houses used to be, but it was like the whole block. Yeah, yes. Oh, wow. I mean, it was amazing how many houses did they? They they were they were vacant. They had been vacant for years. They were um, dilapidated. They were uninhabitable, mm-hmm. and they were just eyesores. They became sources for criminal behavior, gang mm-hmm. hangouts, uh, other sorts of crimes, and um, so. Uh, I was able to organize through um, government and through private funding to um, tear down these 80 houses and then green out the properties. Yeah. And that had the dual effect of not only improving uh, the neighborhood in terms of its aesthetics, but also it gave children a place to play mm-hmm. and yeah. families to congregate and to have all kinds of family events. Okay, so then the next uh, thing we did was to have a lot of good activity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the way you get rid of bad activity is replace it with good activity. Ah, That was through partnering. And so what we did is we focused on events that would be attractive to children um, and we would invite them uh, but their parents had to come with them. Oh, okay. It was because part of the renewal of a neighborhood and a church is family renewal. Okay. This is a very Catholic thing. We wanted to go about it in a very Catholic way. Yeah. Um, by renewal through family renewal. Our, our school had been closed for 10 years. Yeah. We were able, thanks be to God, to get a charter school to yeah. buy the school and move in. Yeah. And that was that was a true miracle. Yeah. Because we're we were surrounded by 
you know, uh, tons of empty industrial buildings that they could, but they, they chose our building, which was great. Um, I leveraged my popularity with the media because as, as you get popular with the media, see, the nice thing about being a priest is you're a neutral figure. <laughs> and you can kind of represent goodness. Mm -hmm. And so um, the media, uh, 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 I was the darling of the media because I was trying to do something to clean up and I wasn't a politician. Yeah. And I, you know, I wasn't a businessman or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so I leveraged my popularity with the media, which also gained me popularity with political figures and with law enforcement figures to raise money to build a parish center. Now yeah. I, I called yeah. it a community center. Yeah. It was a large reception hall with that seated 300 people. And um, I raised enough money that it was all paid off before we even built it, before wow. building it. So then we built it. And what we would do is once a month, we would have like a pizza and pop party for the kids. But we would insist the parents came too, mm -hmm. family thing. And then we would take them downtown to the Civic Center, the Cavelli Center, for... Um, various shows like Disney on Ice or the Harlem Globetrotters or Walking with Dinosaurs um, all uh, or sports events. So once a month, we'd have a really good event uh, where young people and their parents could participate. And, you know, the funny, the interesting thing is it didn't cost us any money. Because really? When people saw the good that we were doing, people stepped up and they donated money, places donated pizza, places donated pop, places donated buses so we could take the kids down to uh, the, um, the Civic Center, um, places donated the tickets. So we and it, it ended up not costing us anything and it was great. So, um, between tearing down the blighted houses, greening out the properties so kids had a place to play and families had a place to do things, reestablishing a school, and the charter school, 400 kids, K through eight. Wow. Most of whom came from the immediate neighborhood. Can you imagine what a school does to revitalize? I mean, to, to bring families together and, and to revitalize the neighborhood. It's amazing. And then like reinvesting because you're reinvesting in that neighborhood through the children, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then building the parish center, which I called a, a community center. Now that center became available for neighbors to rent. Yeah. So they rented it. And sometimes it was rented three times on a weekend. Wow. For weddings for uh, church events, you know, receptions, church receptions, yeah. um, for uh, graduations, yeah. um, for uh, all kinds of things. It was rented out. And it is a beautiful hall. We made sure it was beautiful, but we made sure it was a green building. It was mm. maintenance. You know, it was very energy efficient. Um, 
It was uh, not expensive to uh, maintain. Yeah. So we could rent it out for a ridiculously low price. Yeah. And, and they were, and the neighbors were happy to pay for it because <laughs> they could never afford a place that nice, a reception right. hall that nice for what they want to do. And they would come in and they would decorate it. You know, there'd be 300 people, say at a graduation or yeah. uh, whatever ceremony. And they, they would decorate it beautifully. You know, we had all white walls. So yeah. whatever color you wanted to decorate, you could decorate. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a wonderful thing. And, and, the, you know, the irony of it is these were, and this was all part of the renewal. Mm -hmm. Other uh, community uh, people doing community things, good activity, uh, yeah. and, and having the young people uh, and connecting with young people. Yeah. It was yeah. great. And, you know, we always invited, and we would do, for example, we would do things like Easter egg hunt. Um, we had a Thanksgiving dinner. We had Christmas uh, dinner and people would donate. All the food would be donated. People would, one person donated this 20 foot Christmas tree with all the decorations. Wow. We, you know, we had a giving tree in the church so people would bring presents. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew that we came to know the kids in the neighborhood who could use presents and we would invite them and their, and their parents to come. And then we would give them a nice dinner and we'd give them presents, um, you know, local stores. Uh, we had a Halloween. Um, we had Halloween party. It wasn't a, a costume party. It was just like a, a neighborhood festival for free candy. Yeah, and there'd be we gave out candy. We had people came. They had there was a cotton candy machine there. People were making hot dogs. It was just a real beautiful community event, and it did not cost us a penny because. You know, people love to be part of a successful story. Mm -hmm. And and of course, businesses who donate, every time I went on the meet, you know, every time I was um, interviewed or whatever, I would always give them a plug, say, you know, this was, they, we were helped especially by so-and-so and, -so and yeah. uh, they loved it. So they, you know, so it was all, it was a great spirit-filled time and it proved that you can renew a neighborhood, a burned out, blighted neighborhood can be renewed. And a church can be renewed and revitalized. Uh, but it, it takes, um, it, it, it won't happen through programs. Mm. <laughs> You can have all the programs and all the meetings you want and get all the experts together. How did that happen? The Holy Spirit was directing the whole thing and people just came forward out of the woodwork. Yeah. yeah. The, it was amazing. And I, you know, I just, I was just kind of doing things that were present. Opportunities came to me and I took advantage of them. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Sir, I didn't, you know, I was there during that time when you were building the um, hall, but I didn't know 
all the events that you're having in the evenings with the kids. I don't think I knew that. That's that's really great. And what you told me, the uh, you're replacing um, bad activity with good activity. It sounds like a little bit like the spiritual life. You know how you're, how you're, uh, you know, you perhaps you do as well in confession. Maybe you you you, you ask a person to pursue a virtue, and by pursuing that virtue, um, it reduces the attachment, uh, you know, the, the, the attachment to the vice. And so it sounds like, you know, you pursue the good and to, you know, to, to vanquish out the evil. So that's really beautiful. Well, you know, a lot of this, and I have to say, look, what we did required, and I would always say this in my interview. I would say, my job is to give people hope. And I can give people hope for two reasons. One, I believe in the power of prayer to make a difference, to change things. And I believe in the power of the grace of Jesus Christ to change human hearts. Mm. Yeah. And um, so what we were doing in the neighborhood was supported by what was going on in the church, the mass, adoration of the blessed sacrament, yeah. rosary, people praying, people coming to church and participate, you know, and worshiping the Lord Jesus. That was all part of it. You know, yeah. this all working together. So it's not by mere chance that the renewal and revitalization came about through a Catholic church. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. did it in a Catholic way. And, um, you know, I, I, I said, look, I don't want a boy i'm not trying to start a boys and girls club i don't want a place where just kids come and hang out no this is family revitalization mm -hmm. part of the revitalization of a neighborhood i um you know i don't want to start a homeless shelter this that's not what we're about i don't want to start a soup kitchen look at there are already people doing that those are all necessary and important things and I support them completely. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to renew and revitalize a neighborhood and a church, and that will require the renewal and revitalization of family life and family activity within the context of the Catholic faith, within the context of worship of our Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and the grace of the sacraments. Yeah, wow. So it's all part of it. Yeah, that's powerful. And then, um, so you've, you, um, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, all the help that you received and prayers and the faithful that you had there at St. Dominic's, um, eventually your time there is up. And um, your superior, what is he, what is he? He says so you're another mission. I made the classic blunder of when, my my superior, who is the provincial of our province, um, when he asked me, what do you want to do now? And I said, well, where do you need me? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that sounds so humble. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought he was going to say someplace in the U.S. Yeah. Well, I really need someone in Africa. Well, 
You know, can I think about it? He said, sure, think about it. So I thought about it, prayed about it. And I was apprehensive, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 7,000 miles away in an unknown culture in Africa. I've never been to Africa. Right. To Europe, but that's about it. And, uh, um, you know, all, all I knew was uh, poverty and disease. <laughs> all yeah. I, my In my prejudice. Yeah. yeah. All the image I had in my mind. Right. Um, so this, this is a great story, and I'll keep it short. So one day I'm eating lunch, uh, excuse me, I'm eating, yeah, I'm eating breakfast. It's kind of brunch at a, uh, like, it's uh, like a Panera or something. It was Panera. And I'm with a sister. So she can vouch that this is absolutely true. I'm not making this up and there's no embellishment. So we're eating and we're talking. And this lady comes up to our table who I had never seen before and I would never seen since. And she said to me, you know, I'm really sorry, I, I've, you know, for interrupting. I, I've never done this before. I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, it's really something that's kind of strange. I hope I'm, I'm being rude or anything, but I really feel like the Lord is telling me to tell you something. Is it okay if I tell you something that I think the Lord is telling me? I said, sure, go ahead. She says, I think the Lord is telling me to say to you, I don't know why, but he, I think he's trying to, he's telling me to tell you, do not be afraid of where you have to go. You will see Jesus there. Wow. And that's what she said. And she said, you know, um, uh, I think that's it. Uh, and, uh, and she went away and I haven't seen her. <laughs> and the sister I'm having brunch with can testify to this. And we look at each other and we say, wow. Well, that's it. I'm going to Africa. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's amazing. It sounds a little bit like the Forrest Gump story. Well, I guess I'll go running. <laughs> so she just comes up to you, says this. It seems kind of awkward in the whole thing. Yeah, it was awkward. And yeah. uh, it's very apologetic. And she said, yeah, I've never done this before. This is this was weird for her, too. And was, wow, that's amazing. So, so then... um. I said, okay, I'm going to Africa. So the next thing, you know, I have to get a whole bunch of shots and, uh, you know, I have to get a visa and, and, you know, and do the usual preparations for it. And, and I go over there. I, I didn't do any background uh, checking or anything like that. I, I was so sure that this is, that after that encounter, the Lord wanted me there that I didn't even bother to research anything. And um, I got a, a flight reservation and um, packed my bags and off I went. And, and that was four years ago. In what country? Four years. Kenya. Kenya is in East Africa. It's on the Indian Ocean. It's, it's about midway Africa, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called Sub-Saharan Africa. To the south of us, is Tanzania. To the north of us is Somalia, Ethiopia, and Sudan. Mm. To the west of us is Uganda. Uh, so we this is the Dominican mission. We have a house in Nairobi, which is the capital. Okay. And then we also have a house in Kisumu, 
which is out in Western Kenya on Lake Victoria. And that's where I am in Kisumu. Now Kisumu is famous in this country for two reasons. One, that's where Barack Obama's father came from. Oh, okay. uh, he, it's the Luo tribe. And so he was Luo from that area there on Lake Victoria. The second uh, reason it's famous is because that's where the female lead of Black Panther comes from. Oh, Lupita. Lupita. Yeah. Lupita's father is the governor of Kisumu. Oh. So Kisumu is right on Lake Victoria. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, it's the third largest freshwater lake in the world. It uh, is the source of the Nile River. Not many people oh. know that because it's at such a high elevation. You know, the weather in Kenya, people ask me, oh, it must be very hot over there in Africa. I said, well, actually the weather's more like San Diego. Um, it's very temperate. It's 75 and sunny, no humidity every single day of the year. No seasonal variation at all because we're right on the equator. Yeah. The reason it's not hot is because we're at such a high elevation. Nairobi is at 6,000 feet, and we're at 3,000 feet uh, okay. in Kisumu. And then our priory, St. Martin de Porres Priory, mm. our patronal feast was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, our priory is another 1,000 feet up the mountain because there are beautiful mountains surrounding Lake Victoria. Uh, Lake Victoria, I, um, Kisumu is a town of about four, 400,000 people. Oh. And uh, uh, we're about a um, 15 minute drive from the town center. Um, so we're in a little bit of a rural area. Uh, it's very poor. The people there are very poor. Life there is pretty primitive. Um, most of the people are subsistence farmers. Okay. Downtown, there are um, trades, you know, people have trades that, you know, there are plumbers and carpenters and welders and uh, auto mechanics and uh, things like that. Um, a lot of the roads are not paved, but the main roads are paved. Um, so uh, there are a lot of Catholics ton of Catholics. Oh, so I thought that would have been a, a like a Muslim area. It, there are a lot of Muslims. Okay. A lot of Muslims because uh, Kenya is pretty near close to Arabia on the east coast there of Africa. Um, but uh, there are a lot of Catholics. In fact, Nairobi is sometimes referred to as the Little Vatican. Hmm. There are so many Catholics. I would say Okay, it's a country, Kenya is a country of about 60 million people. I would say about 20% are Catholic. Okay. And um, so there are a lot of Catholics in Nairobi. There are a lot of Catholics in Kisumu and then throughout the country. Uh, we have the Dominicans, just the Dominicans. We have about six, par you know, we cover about six parishes. And... Uh, in the six parishes, you know, we're talking, well, there's one parish and then five outposts. So we're probably talking about five to 6,000 people. Okay. And then there are, there are uh, 
many different congregations of religious women there and we'll celebrate mass at their convent. There are, we also celebrate mass at uh, several of the universities downtown. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, but our, our main, uh, our main ministry is actually, it's our novitiate. So at St. Martin de Porres Priory in Kisumu, we have six priests and six novices, Dominicans, all Dominicans. Oh, wow. Um, in, uh, and then there are about, uh, about another 12 priests in Nairobi and about 10 students studying for the priesthood. That's where, so after they do novitiate in Kisumu, they go to Nairobi to study for the priesthood. And these are all Kingans. Uh, no, they're they're Africans, but uh, many are from Kenya, many are from Tanzania, many okay. from Uganda. Um, we have some from other African countries too, like South Africa. Oh wow! <clears throat> uh, Rwanda. Um, but it's 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 called the Vicariate of Eastern Africa. It's part of our the province of St. Joseph. So um, all told, there's probably about 30 Dominicans there, uh, five of whom are Americans. So I'm one of five Americans. Yeah. And, so then, uh, and then there's a great lay there. I mean, uh, there's a great lay uh, um, at our place in Kasumu and at our place in Nairobi, there are a lot of lay Dominicans. We have a great... Uh -huh lay Dominican chapter there. They help us out tremendously. They are, of course, they help with all the sacramental needs, but they also are catechists. Um, so uh, they have, uh, they run, um, you know, especially for the young people. There are tons of young people. Mm -hmm. That's one of the great things about uh, Africa, tons of young people. Yeah. And the young, the young Catholics, they all go to mass. Grade school, teenagers, college students, they all go to mass. They pray the rosary before mass. Wow. They go to confession regularly. Wow. All of them. Yeah. What do you mean, what do you mean by lay Dominican? What does that mean? Okay, so a lay Dominican is a uh, not a priest or a brother, not someone studying for religious life, not someone's a member of religious life, but someone who wants to be connected to the Dominican order in, um, in a way that they share in the spirituality okay. of Dominicans. And that includes, you know, so they participate in the, so the Dominican spirituality is, um, you know, regular prayer, often sung, monastic prayer. So morning prayer, uh, evening prayer, night prayer, mass, yeah. um, rosary. They want to participate in the prayer life of the Dominicans. Uh, they want to have some kind of community life because community life is an important part of Dominican life. Yeah. We also take a vow of poverty. So they want to live a simple life. Oh. Strive to live a simple life. Um, 
they have an apostolate because we have an apostolate. So they they have an apostolate, either um, a teaching apostolate or some kind of sacramental preparation apostolate um, or or helping poor people. Is that because in, you know, Dominicans, you had the, the well, I don't know if this is true, but I always thought there were the, the, the four pillars of Dominican spirituality. There was, there was study, there was um, communal life, there was preaching and, and prayer. And you talked about prayer and you talked about communal life, but the preaching aspect is laity. They cannot do. So is that where you, re, is that the apostolate? Is that how they participate actively? In, in... That's a great question. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah, obviously they don't participate in liturgical preaching. Right. Um, but they still preach insofar as they um, are catechists and um, in their formation of uh, young people and young adults, um, they're, they're very much preaching as catechists and as um, uh, in their lives, in their lives, in their, in the people they encounter, they're preaching. Okay. Both through words and through uh, action, and in the manner of life, they strive to live a manner of life that, in itself, is preaching. Um, they uh, and study, as you pointed out, study. They want to participate in the life of study, study okay. for the sake of communicating the gospel, uh, okay. and um, that, you know, is. That includes not just book study, but that includes contemplation, mm. reflection, reading, and reflection. So, and uh, because our, our motto is truth, what is true? You know, the sad, the sad reality is we live in a world filled with falsehood and illusion. Mm -hmm. And the Dominican layperson is called to bring the truth to people in a way that they can accept it. Hmm. Lay people have a great opportunity to talk about the truth, to convey the truth um, that priests don't have. Hmm. So if, if I say something they say, oh, you're a priest, you have to say it. <laughs> but if David Gray says it, wow, I guess uh, I guess it's not just it's not just churchy and priesty stuff. Yes, you're saying yeah. something that that if David Gray can can think about these things, maybe I can think about these things. <laughs> yeah. And it's the and the study, the study aspect. I like how you said because I think I might have heard you or, or Father Bernard say this one time as well that the aspect of the of the, the study in Dominican spirituality is is it is it, it isn't for you know vanity, right? All these books I have on my shelf over here, it's not for me just to study and just consume knowledge. I'm supposed to do what with you know I'm supposed to do what with it. Exactly. Yeah. No, knowledge should change you. If, if it's knowledge of the truth, it will change you. It will make you, knowledge of the truth will make you more like Christ. And um, 
See, Jesus is the truth. And as we uh, come to know the truth, we, whatever the truth may be, whatever truth it is, brings us closer to Jesus. This is the Dominican way. That, and this is why Veritas is our motto. Hmm. The way we come to Jesus is through the truth. And, you know, our, our great Dominican brother, St. Thomas Aquinas, we try to follow him pretty closely. And, uh, you know, um, to know the truth requires falling in love with a person. Jesus. Uh, and uh, it, it's um, so as we fall in love with Jesus, we will come to know the truth. If you know, Jesus says, if you will be my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, and then as we learn more truth, we come closer to Jesus, who is the wisdom of God incarnate. He is God, who is truth. All truth comes from God. Jesus is the source of all truth. I mean, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Uh, and um, so I, I think that study, getting back to what you said about study, it's about growing in the truth. It's, it's about learning the truth and the night and the truth is interconnected. If um, you know, if the truth connects you and me, okay. Uh, you know, if uh, if I'm dedicated to the truth, and you're dedicated to the truth, then we can have a real conversation. <laughs> yeah. We can have real communication. Yeah, and. And we can we can help each other. Right. We can grow close to each other and we close closer to the Lord. But if if true if we're not committed to the truth, then if if all you're interested in is your opinion, mm. then um, that's not uh, going to bring us closer together. Right. 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 And you know we see that a lot, and. Uh, and if we're not committed to the truth, then we're going to fall prey to the falsehoods and illusions that um, are part of the world we live in. Well, I mean, you just summed up every situation, every problem we have in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, you can think about anything, even, the, you know, I mean, you, 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 you know, you're there, I think you come here like once a year, right now you're here during... I'm going to date this video right now. You're here doing the election cycle, and we don't even know who the president is today. But a lot of people went to the polls, um, not even considering things such as you know human life, um, the second and dignity of human life, and marriage, and things like that. And, I, and they kind of, I think, you know, a lot of people are just good Christians, you know, whatever they may be, some some sort of Christian professing religion, but they kind of left their religion out here and just came into the ballot booth for something else in mind. And, um, but it wasn't, you know, but it, I like what you're saying about we're all oriented towards the truth. And that was our, our, um, our, our, our central motive in life was the pursuit of truth. And then life will look dramatically different. 
I think society will be dramatically different. It'd be the, the it, it, it'd be a different formation of what it'd be a, a true pursuit of the common good for all people. I think. Yeah, and that you know that requires a willingness to listen. Look, if we're committed to the truth, I'm not scared to hear what you have to say. Hmm. If we're really committed to the truth, and you know, the truth will never hurt us. Our attempts to escape the truth will hurt us. Yeah. Um, and uh, if we're committed to the truth, then I'm not scared of what you have to say. <laughs> I'm scared of you, please. And I, and I want to hear what you have to say. And I want to hear what everyone has to say, you know, because my goal is not to be right. My goal is to learn the truth. Mm. Uh, and that's the Dominican spirituality, you know, we, we want to learn. Yeah, yeah. And we love talking. Now, you know, and, you know, there's a, here's an interesting point that many people miss. You know, the word dialogue comes from the Greek word dia logos, which means through reason. Hmm. In other words, dialogue is not simply you express your opinion and I express my opinion. Dialogue is we're both committed to the truth, and so we're going to use reason. And through reason, we're going to come to the truth. That's what the word dialogue means. And but if, 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 if truth is a person, Jesus, you can still reach that truth through dialogue. Uh, exactly. Yeah, no. Um, you know, and so to reach the truth, uh, which is a lifelong adventure... Uh, you know, we consider it a lifelong thing, uh, deepening our knowledge of the truth. Um, we realize that all truth is bringing us closer to Jesus. And so it's a combination of falling in love with Jesus, um, deepening our commitment to Jesus, which is the same as deepening our commitment to the truth. Hmm. And... Um, and following the truth wherever it may lead us. And not being afraid. Not being afraid to go where the truth leads us. You will be my disciples. If you, you will know, if you will be my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And one of the, the first thing it sets you free from is fear. Hmm. Do not be afraid, Jesus says to his disciples. Do not fear, Pope John Paul II used to begin his talks with. Do not be afraid. You know, the beauty of being a child of God uh, through the grace of baptism is that if God is our Father and our inheritance is heaven, then what are we afraid of? I mean, what's the worst you can do to me? Kill me? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. This is, you know, think about it. the early church, the early church fathers. They were martyred. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the apostles were martyred. The early church was about martyrdom. I mean, uh, you know, the way you graduated from uh, CCD in the early church was you were martyred. That was your graduation from CCD. 
What a graduation. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, I, what's, what's really been neat about being in Africa is because they are poor, mm-hmm. they, they love their Catholic, they're happy. Now, this is ironic. They have nothing, literally nothing, and they're happy. But what's a what's a good life? I mean, you know, you go to, you know you visit different countries, and you get you know you um you know you ask people you know what what's what's the good life? I mean, what's what do people what makes them happy to wake up in the morning? You know, you go to different countries, you ask the, ask this question, and people come up with different things. Um, what you know if, if you ask someone there where you're at in, in Kenya family, I mean, what's what's the good life? Yeah, so I think what they consider the good life which I think is a good lesson for us, being with people. They would rather be with people, talking with people, being with family, being with neighbors, being with cousins, and just talking and enjoying time together than than work all day and earn a ton of money. Wow. They, They, but now, you know, sort of, the reality of life has sort of forced that upon them. Okay. Great lesson, you know, that um, they prize people more than things. Okay. And so um, they're not constantly running after things. Um, and so uh, life is less complicated. It's, uh, they're not, uh, uptight about things starting late, things start when they start and they end when they end. Uh, you know, mass, it's great. Mass lasts a couple hours. <laughs> they do a lot of dancing and singing. Are your homilies longer? Because your uh, homilies no, are already, your homilies no, no, were no, already no. like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. Are they longer now? No, 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 no. I, I keep it 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I just don't have that much to say. Uh, <laughs> two hours is enough for me in a mass. Um, but uh, no, but the bishop. Oh my gosh, the bishop will talk for an hour. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh gosh. And then, uh, you know, the people are singing, they're dancing. Um, but when it comes to the consecration, they're very devout, and they're still, and they're kneeling. Um. So uh, it's a, they have a good mixture of um, um, you know devotion and celebration. Devotion uh, and celebration. And they love adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Every yeah. the young people come to the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament every week. Wow! Once a week, college students. Yeah. Amazing. Oh no, they I mean they love their Catholic faith. They um now now grant they don't have the same distractions we do, like they don't have TVs and stuff like that. So um you know, a lot of those things that are part of our culture in the West um have the unfortunate effect of making us less responsive to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they they don't have that, and they're they're very friendly. They always say hello, 
uh, you know, they and they have nothing. They're poor, but uh, you know, uh, they they look forward to it. Now they do have good weather. I mean, so uh, they have you know great weather, and uh, you know they don't eat a lot, but they have enough to live. They yeah. have to live, and um, uh, you know they. I mean they they commit sin too. You know and it. You know, in confession, I hear a lot of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I thought you guys were all saints. <laughs> They're not saints. You know, yeah. they need to go to even, confession. Even though, even though life is much more simple, a lot, lot, lot fewer distractions, um, it doesn't, it doesn't mitigate um, near occasions of sin or, or sin, right? That's right. So they they and they do go to confession, and God bless them. They're very honest and forthright in their confessions. You're, but it sounds like when you're talking about that one pillar of Dominican spirituality, communal life, it sounds like there's just something intrinsic in their environment that that or something just in their 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 culture, as far as makes them want to spend time with people. So they already have that Dominican aspect, that that aspect of Dominican spirituality, that communal life with each other. Yeah. So Catholicism. And um, Dominican life just fit right in with their temperament about community living, um, everyone getting together. And, uh, you know, they don't want to go, they don't, they don't want to go a whole day without seeing their friends. You know, think about it. We go days, weeks, months, years. I go years without seeing David Gray. (laughs) But they don't want to go a day without seeing their friends, you know, family. Uh, You know, that's how important people are to them. And then and so and because people are so important, I think they have a more natural inclination to love Jesus. Mm. You know, even though every human person, obviously, every human person has the uh, natural inclination to know and love God. Yeah. Um, you know, there certain cultures facilitate that good inclination better than others. How so? Um, you know, if, well, for what we're just saying, that if you're more people-oriented, mm-hmm. then you'll naturally spend more of your time and resources developing a relation, uh, a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay. But if you're more thing oriented or uh, to getting the job done, I got to get this job done. Okay. Um, and if you're more, you know, work oriented than people oriented, then, you know, you'll have all kinds of excuses to put off uh, spending time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. 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 And, um, and, and then, you know, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about other people. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it sounds like the, the, the years you spent there is, has has had an effect on you, like you said. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I come home and, and, and I'm just not all bent out of shape about the things that used to you know, rock my world. Yeah. But one of the things I used to, you know, when we take... um. 
say we'll take a cruise or something like that. And some oftentimes a cruise ship will stop in um, Jamaica. And oh my gosh, people, are, you know, frust- it frustrates me because people there seem to have no concept of time whatsoever. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's like so frustrating me, but I'm hearing you talk and um, it just seems like, you know, after four years of being in that type of environment, it's had a good effect on you. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to go, maybe I need to come spend four years with you there or something. I don't know. Well, well I think that um, there has to be some happy medium. <laughs> we can learn from their culture and they can learn from our culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not perfect. They need a little bit more of that, you know, let's get things done. And, uh, you know, because they really have no economy. They have no economy. Yeah. And it's very sad. I mean, 40% unemployment. The average person where I am probably makes about $5 a day. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's not, you know, there, there has to be some happy medium. That's, that's one extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I just think, and I love it when, um, you know, sometimes I invite the African Dominican priest to come over here and spend a month or two here in a parish. And I think it's great. It's great for them. Yeah. It's great for the people of the parish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are, these are incredible people. It's awesome yeah. people. Um, and uh, no, I just, I mean, I've, I think I've taught them some things. But I think I've also learned a lot from them. And yeah. that, that's the beauty of the Catholic Church. Look, this is not, this is, this is all Catholic stuff we're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and Dominican stuff. You know, one thing about Dominicans is we're so, we're kind of highly educated. And I don't mean that in a braggadocious way. I mean, we just are. We, we study a lot, like you, Dave. <laughs> You got your masters and <laughs> teach and write books. And, uh, you know, you do all kinds of things. Look, it, it's going to be very hard for people with our level of education to live poverty. It's just, it's just going to be hard. Because why, why, why is that? Why do you think? Um, I, I, I just think that we're not going to sit back and, and, um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we know too yeah. much. You know, right, right, right. right. We're, just not gonna, we're gonna find a way to avoid it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And um, so we have to find ways to live more simply. You know, we Dominicans we take a vow of poverty, of course, but you know it's kind of e- easy to fudge <laughs> in the United States on your vow of poverty, and so we have to. We have to really work hard and use our intelligence and our creativity to find ways to live simply. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, you know, most of the world lives very poorly. And um, so, uh, I mean, I like going back to Africa because when I'm here in the U.S., it's very hard for me to live a, a simple life. Do you get back on your motorcycle again while you're here? Oh yeah, no, no, I've gotten on my motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> no, I need the motorcycle. 
that's that's one of the things that that really you know since i've been back i've been back for a couple months now because part of it is raising money for the mission and yeah. i put two thousand miles on that bike in since wow. I've been in those couple months wow that's good but that's my traveling around to celebrate mass i mean what i do is i i travel to places i celebrate mass i talk about the mission yeah. uh part of my raising money for the mission yeah and so i'm traveling all you know virginia uh north carolina um ohio yeah york city and we've really had good weather since i've been back so i've been able to ride the motorcycle there and it's wow it's a great you know one thing i love about riding a motorcycle is i get to think really well i i can't listen to music Okay. okay. The radio. Yeah. So yeah. I'm praying. I pray the rosary. And you know, I I speak several different languages. So I pray the rosary in different languages. And, wow. And and I'm meditating and I'm looking at nature. I'm looking around. I'm breathing the air. I'm just. I look at the trees. I look at the. You know, it's just. It's it's like a a time of, just. Uh, meditation and contemplate it's very meditative and i also feel detached from the world a little bit you know there's a certain freedom you kind of i don't know how to explain it i just uh, and there's camaraderie among motorcycle oh yeah you go yeah 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 we all say hello to each other as we pass and yeah but as, as we're winding down i wanted to um because we talked about this you know, off and on a little bit about your mission and how you're in the States now raising money. And so I want everybody who's, um, you know, part of the Talking Catholic family to hop down into the description box. You'll see some information there about how to contribute to the mission through the um, 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 Dominicans Order Preachers, um, St. Joseph province. And so just drop it down to the description box and let people know, uh, Father Matori, they offer, they um, go to a website, they, they'll or I'll have the website to the province, but I also have the direct information how to send it directly um, to you. Um, but we donate money, and what happens to the money? Okay, so that's a great point. Thanks, Dave, for that. Okay, nobody gets a cut of the money. 100% of the money donated goes to the Kisumu mission. You know, the province of St. Joe's, the Dominicans don't get a cut of it. No administrative cut. The diocese gets no administrative cut. It goes through New York City only for, it goes through the provincial office in New York only for tax purposes. And what they do is they collect the money and they work to get the best exchange rate. And then they, they wire it over at the best exchange rate possible during that time. And because we, our currency is Kenya shilling. It's roughly about a hundred Kenya shilling per dollar. Okay. And uh, money there goes a long way. And one of the, some of the projects we need money for, we're building a shrine, St. Martin Porus shrine. Wow. And, uh, awesome. You know, uh, you know, they, the, the people love us. There are tons of Catholics there, and they they really um, 
want to come and worship and a shrine where we can have all kinds of devotions. Of course, the sacraments, of yeah. course, the mass, but uh, where we have a devotionals, where we can have um, training for young people in the Catholic faith. Yeah. Obviously, all our work is towards building up the Catholic faith in in Africa. Um, and so uh, all and 100%, nobody gets a cut. And then we also need to expand. We have so many vocations. We have to expand our student tape where um, young men train to be priests. Oh, wow. so expanding uh, St. Dominic's in Nairobi, uh, which is where our, our African brothers study to become Dominican priests. Okay. Or, for Africa, specifically for Kenya. Mm -hmm. And so those are the those are the projects we're raising money for. And it sounds like based on what you told me with people, at least in, in your area, what they make a day, um, sounds like if we send a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, it sounds like that will go a long way. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. There are many people have decided to just give like a hundred dollars one time. Other people have decided to give hundred dollars once a month and um so there's there's all kinds of ways to donate and uh you're right a hundred dollars goes a long way i mean things go much farther so so for example what would what would probably cost um five million in terms of a shrine what would normally cost like five million to build in the united states only costs like five hundred thousand um, dollars in Kisumu, or less, five hundred thousand or less. You no, know, it, it uh, money goes a lot farther there. Wow! And uh, um, obviously, we need in addition, we need to upkeep these. You know, we need to pay for upkeep. We need to pay for electricity, which is very expensive. We need to pay, you know, for um, gasoline we do a lot of driving uh you know to the different outposts to celebrate mass and gasoline is very expensive about gasoline is about at least twice as expensive there as it is here um and a lot of the roads we travel on are not paved so we have these bush kind of jeep vehicles and um so they need repair stuff like that there's there's all kinds of normal expenses in addition to the, the, the building projects that we have. Mm -hmm. People love it. You know, the people, the people give. Let me tell you one last thing before we go. At every mass, at the offertory procession, everyone comes forward. You don't pass a, you don't pass a basket around. <laughs> everyone comes forward. Everyone, even little children. Everybody in that church comes forward to give something. And so parents will say to the little children, give them a little coin and say, here, you go up and you give that to the priest. And wow. people will come up with a bag of corn um, wow. one time, or whatever they have, vegetables, uh, a bar of soap. Um, uh, one time they came up with toilet paper. They handed me toilet paper. Can you imagine that at mass? At the <laughs> Coming up and handing the priest toilet paper. Just a roll. That's right. What are they trying to tell me? 
beautiful what a beautiful i mean that's an offering that's supposed to be right i mean that 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 movement during the liturgy i mean because it's right before you know you do your you know you offer up your prayers you know you you know you um the the source and coda you were offering you know offer up yourselves to the lord lift up your hearts but right before that they've come and they've given you they're the woman in the scripture right who's just giving you um all that she had right that's, that's right the lights the two yeah. the two coins two little coins yeah one time i had a live chicken hand this is the first time in my life a live chicken was handed to me and i'm thinking to myself what am i supposed to do with this <laughs> <laughs> but but see, there are catechists on each side of you. There are there are a bunch of altar servers. Oh, tons of altar servers. Okay, okay. Young guys, altar boys, love to serve. And uh, so I just hand, I receive it, and then I hand it off. I keep handing it off to people, and uh, but I mean everything comes through there. So what do you do with the chicken? Uh, it it eventually gets brought back. Um, when I drive back to our priory, they stick it in the car. You know, they tie its legs, uh, and um, I guess they cover its head. They tie its legs and cover its head so it doesn't move around a lot. And then when I go back, I give it to the cook, and the cook takes care of it. The cook cooks for us, cooks it for us. Oh, so the chicken is to eat, not it's not a rooster for you to lay some eggs. Uh. You know, um, it's usually a rooster, I guess. Okay. Wow. And not a hen. A hen. Yeah, hen lays eggs. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So, um, you know, if I, I guess if it is a hen, then I guess we put it with our other chickens because we get eggs. You do. We wow. have. Oh, we have all the farm animals. Man. Cows and chicken. Look at David. You and I. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm a city boy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. I know nothing about animals or animal husbandry. Right. And I'm just amazed that I'm looking at these guys and say, how do you know how to do that with animals? And then they're just very, they're just very adept at, at handling animals and all kinds of yeah. things. It's yeah. amazing. But, but they come up at the offertory. So at the, after the offertory, I really have to do a lavabo. I actually literally have to clean my hands. It's oh, not, it's not simply symbolic. Yeah, it's not just a little little water. <laughs> oh no, no man, it's it's soap, it's uh, tons of water. Just wow, man, to get all the stuff, all the dirt and the whatever else. I never thought about that because you know here at home, you know just that that part of the you know that the um the purification right or whatever. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's like, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it does symbolize, I mean, it has a strong symbolism as the, the uh, removal of sin, the water yeah. clean of sin. Yeah. Um, it also has the practical aspect. Practical. In uh, third world countries, uh, <laughs> also cleaning the priest's hand. Wow, that is something. Never thought about that. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on Talking Catholic, Father Vittori. And oh, um, for having me. Yeah, we learned so much here about Dominican spirituality, um, your background, um, and um, and I hope everyone at least take a look at the um, description box below. Click on the link, and so we can support this mission and um, 
Kenya. As you see, a little bit of money goes a long way. So, Father Matori, next time you're home, we got to have you back on Talking Catholic, or we got to find a way I can meet you somewhere on motorcycles or something. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, we have to get together uh, uh, before too long. We can't wait years until we reconnect. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's great seeing you. It's great being with you. Uh, I consider you a good friend. And yeah, I, I did same. your wedding, so uh, I feel a part of the family. Yeah, you are. You are. Let me. Let me. Um, for those who haven't seen Father Maturi in his um, in his uh, official gear, if you were on my website, you did see him. So let me show you him one more time, looking like. Looking um, very, very Dominican. Before you leave, Father um, Promontory, can you um, offer us, um, everyone in the audience, a blessing? Yeah. All right. Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon all those people who uh, watch this video and um, uh, watch this podcast and who uh, um, seek your face that... Uh, they, you will fill them with your wisdom and love so that they may know the truth and that they may live as sons and daughters of God and one day enjoy eternal life, their inheritance, eternal life in heaven with you forever. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. And everyone here, here he is. <laughs> that was on our that was on our wedding day of June seventeenth, two thousand and sixteen. So, <laughs> yeah, great day, great, yeah. awesome day. I love it. Yeah. All right. So, um, so yeah. All until, right. Until then, until next time. Blessings and shalom to you and to yours. Hang on one minute, Palmatory. I'll see you. Right after I do this, give me one second. Oh, let me end that one more time. Give me a second. All right. Until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours. Boom, we can't get fooled again.